Hello, welcome. If you feel like you should be in the right place, congratulations, you are. This is the DC Comics <laughs> News weekly podcast. This is episode number 83. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. I will probably stumble along a few more times. It's like over 90 degrees here on the coast of California, and we're a bunch of California wusses sometimes. And the heat can make us dehydrated, stumble over our words, or just sound. So, all that given, we're still here. I'm still happy to be hanging out with you guys to talk about so many uh, amazing stories coming out of D.C. right now. And the best part is, I'm never doing it alone. Joining me today, my co-host, comrade, Mr. Brad Felicki. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing all right. All right. Did you notice how he didn't stumble over his words, folks? That right there, true professional. Boom. Yeah. Just saying it, right? And <laughs> also, keeping us cool, calm, and composed, Miss Kelly Gates. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Did you also notice? No stumbling over the words. Like, not a problem. Uh, so that's what you can look forward to. Your host might get, well, adorable. And at the same time, there is a cadre supporting me who are so much more competent that, well, all I can say is you're in the best hands. And you're going to want those comforting hands because what we're starting off with is some really intense breaking news. I'm talking about the schedule release for DC Fandom. This is episode number 83. We're kicking it off with a bang because there are so many things going on in Fandom. I, I registered. I'm looking at the ad signs. I'm wondering when I can schedule in a bathroom break. Brad, are you with me on this, or am I the only one yeah. spinning? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm trying to figure out how I, uh, how to do that. <laughs> how how to be on my computer all day, just like leave me alone, lock the door, <laughs> grab Go some, world. Grab Go some snacks and some water, and uh, ride it out because there is such amazing stuff that's going to be. Uh, revealed and shown and talked about throughout the day, uh, it's going to be uh, pretty incredible. Uh, Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad video game, I, uh, Wonder Woman 1984, you know, we're going to get some big names, Kristen Wiig, and uh, even performances by Daughtry. It's it's going to be crazy. It's, it's, it's going to be the state of the art of the virtual con. I don't think any virtual con has come close to what this could potentially be and what it could potentially show us. So there's barely a panel that I'm not excited for. Uh, so, yeah. So, Kelly, what about you? Yeah, I I started trying to make my schedule and the amount of things that, I mean, luckily it seems like almost every panel has an encore because that might help, but it's, I, I saw 24 hours only and I was like, oh God, how am I going to do all of this? Because yeah, there's, I mean, between Wonder Woman 1984, uh, Three Jokers, there's all these different sections. So, like I just went through the first section and had a completely like double booked schedule. And then I looked at the other sections and I'm like, well, this is impossible. So I might do uh, when, the, the online San Diego Comic-Con was going on. I had every TV in my house tuned to a different thing. So I was just kind of wandering around the house and, and taking notes where I could. So, <laughs> I'm that's still awesome. catching up yeah. on Comic-Con at home panels on YouTube. I try to I try to like won't try to get in one or two a day just to be yeah. completely caught up. 
there was so much. Yeah. There was so much going on. And I felt like I somehow kept missing the ones I really wanted to see. I would click on the link and it just wasn't working. And it would be within the right time frame. So I kept en- ending up in these panels that I didn't even really want to see. Like, I, I don't, I haven't seen The Walking Dead, I think, maybe since halfway through the show. And I like it, but I ended up, I, I watched quite a bit about The Walking Dead and those spinoffs. I, I saw yeah. um, some, you know, some interesting stuff for the boys and whatnot. So this this time I'm determined to get it right. So I'm going to have <laughs> everything prepared the day before all TVs tuned into something else. My boyfriend and the cats are going to have to go sit in the car for 24 hours. <laughs> we'll just go from there. But this is an awesome lineup. And some really creative panels, I think. I'm excited to see, um, you know, what news comes out. Because I think this is, at least as D- DC fans, the past week or so has been a little nerve-wracking in terms of news. So, fandom, all of our hopes are on you right now. Please be amazing. Seth, what do you think? You know, I, I completely agree. Like, give us that uplifting light. Give us just that that sense of, okay, so this has been a tough week. This has been a challenging time. What can we look forward to? What can we turn our eyes towards? How can we sort of sort of feel like there's something that can help us lift above it? And this is a pretty good start. <laughs> uh, there's so many categories. Kelly, as you mentioned, you're already double booked. I, did you make it out of Hall of Heroes? Did you even get through the <laughs> others or... I got through two others before I was like, all right, so I need to start making some tough decisions. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. And I'll, I'll see what, like, you know, what you guys, what your schedule looks like. Maybe we can coordinate that way because as long as I can hear about what happens from a trusted source, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking over. I mean, I already put my, I'm just going to claim it. I put myself down on the black Adam panel. I need to, you know, check in on that one. Uh, and then so many others from the Batman to, to Wonder Woman's 80th, there were there were so many great ones just in the Hall of Heroes. Then I I go to Watchverse and the first one is The Flash and I'm like, well, that seems pretty obvious. Okay, what else do we have to? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I would say, folks, get out one or two calendars. Kelly, the moment you described going through your house with multiple TVs on, I had to flash back to the fact that you know we've all had so many great conversations about Kingdom Come. And there's that moment where Superman finally walks into that area and he's like, show me. And all the TVs light on. And that's kind of what I feel like you were describing, like your own version of like Comic-Con, show me. And (laughs) from one room to the other, it was like, this is what's going on. Breaking news. If you haven't heard, it's time to hear. Um, So with all of that... (laughs) With all of that described, Brad, I I think you've pointed out a really important thing, which is if you don't have the multiple TVs, see, stumbling over the words again, folks, the adorable, it's just, it's here to stay. If you don't have the multiple TVs or or channels to display at once, like, how do you navigate out of your chair to maybe ease sitting there for 14 hours straight and, like, stretch something or eat something or find that way especially if you're trying to keep up on so many panels i think this is going to be the great challenge if you have a photo of how you're beating this challenge how you are overcoming i mean whether it's tv with the laptop with the desktop with the ipad with the phone or some combinate like send it to us that's something we would totally love to see i i'm just 
putting it out there. Um, and Brad, Kelly, don't be shy. If you've got a way that you're doing it, we would love to see it too. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure people out there are like, yeah, dude, how are you setting this up? Because I need inspiration. So how how you're going to manage it, I think, is going to be based on what your options are, how creative you are, how much time you can set aside. And man, if you're working, we get it. Thank you for being one of those folks who's out there doing the jobs that are essential and need to be done. And it sounds like there's still going to be ways to catch up. So I look forward to the fact that this is something you can experience in the moment, come back to. And even if you're weeks later, like Comic-Con, still trying to uh, <laughs> catch everything. Hey, there's worse ways to spend your time, right? You could be doing yeah. all sorts of bad stuff. Now you're just watching comic book stuff. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to share the kids verse with my uh, sister. She loves stuff like this for her kids. Uh, her girls have really gotten into uh uh, DC superhero girls uh, recently seen pictures of my nephew reading Justice League so I, I want them to check this out too I, I love that they've got so many options um, and I'm curious to hear what the rest of us think when we finally get to see Uverse, Funverse and Insiderverse I, I have no concept of what they are I haven't even had a chance it's it's a positive thing for us to kick off with and I give you guys the chance to say anything else you want because our next story is on the less positive side so final chance for final words for fandom before we shift gears. all right yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. All right. please <laughs> amazing <laughs> we are looking forward to the amazing we are hopeful and that is because earlier this week there were some really solemn announcements about a series of major layoffs that were enacted at DC Comics. It, uh, it quickly hit a lot of the social media streams. I first heard about it uh, with a post on Twitter, and I thought to myself, all right, how serious can this get? It got serious. There's a lot of names that are well known. There's been a lot of response. I'm really curious to hear what Brad and Kelly have to say. Brad, I'm going to start things off with you. Uh, you know, it's it's impossible to talk about this story without talking about the human cost that these people are 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 paying right now by being out of a job uh, at the height of a pandemic. It's it's that is that's just awful. Um, I just my heart goes out to them, and it's such a shame. Uh, and we, you know, when, when I first saw that this happened, when I first saw the headline, I, I figured, I bet a lot of these layoffs are people who worked in the DC Universe streaming service and soon, and sure enough. Um, so yeah, you that, right. uh, that just really, that really bums me out just because I, I love the streaming service and I've been like trying to cram as much stuff as I can before they kind of pulled the plug. Um, so I kind of, you know, knew that that was going to happen. And I, I can't shake the feeling that I don't know. I do not think that AT&T knows what they are doing. Um, I, you know, you come back to a lot of times to when I mentioned that we are in a golden age of being a DC Comics fan, mm -hmm. and I don't want this decision to be the end of that. Um, 
you know, they laid off, um, and, and, and pardon me, I, I, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but the, the guy who put in and play the Black Label, and that has produced so many good books that I look forward to. Um, Mark Doyle, almost, my friend. Yeah, almost to the extent of reminding me kind of of the Vertigo days in a way that that label kind of means quality for the most part. And that is just a shame. And they they could be making a big mistake here. Yeah, and, and, and we'll get, you know, maybe later in the podcast coming up here about the the kind of publishing arm of DC and, and what happened. And I, I don't think that that's a very smart move, uh, you know, smart move either. So it's just it's just just a bummer. Right when DC has been in in, in my opinion the creative best that it's been in and probably since the you know the height of the 80s and the crisis on infinite earths and and launchment and all that so Mm. yeah it's 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 a real shame kelly yeah i I completely agree um first with just how horrible this must be for everyone who's laid off because i i mean it it's the height of a pandemic it's just it's kind of i i would feel as if almost unimaginable um because when I think, you know, if you're an editor, or if you're working for something like DC, it, it, for a lot of those employees, it has to be sort of a dream job. I mean, how excited would any of us be to be there? And, you know, losing any job, especially in the middle of such a, a uncertain time, is terrifying. But to also lose a job that maybe really coincided with your passions, I mean, that's just heartbreaking. Um, you know, so my heart definitely goes out to all of them. and. I, I also am worried because a lot of the layoffs that I was looking at looked like editors. And in terms of, you know, like, like you were saying with the layout of Black Label and just with the direction books take and the support that writers and artists find from within a company, a lot of time, um, a lot of the time their main contact point is that editor who kind of helps them sort out, you know, problems in the book or figure out a direction or really kind of work together with the artists. And so I think if creative teams are losing, uh, you know, a key member who might have been helping them really figure out a direction, that could be a huge problem, too. Um, And Brad, I definitely agree that I get the sense that AT&T may not understand what it is that they're doing, because I I mean, to me, and, and like you said, this seemed like a golden age of DC fans. It's we have the best movies coming out right now. We have the best books coming out. We had this really cool streaming service. And it's not like it was a, you know, a phantom streaming service, because I I think both in the community aspect and also, um, you know, the amount of people watching the shows and and being involved, I felt like it was going well. And I mean, I don't see kind of the business back end to that. But to me, it seemed very, very worthwhile. Um, and when we first brought up this idea about everything being combined into HBO Max, I was against it, but my my hope was that, all right, well, HBO Max is clearly trying to push the, you know, we can do comics too, so maybe they'll just move everything over to HBO Max. But as far as how, how that's going to work, what the legality of it's going to be, um, I, I really doubt that the community aspect will be there anymore. 
it's it's all just really heartbreaking. Um, and I don't like the idea that a company could take over that maybe doesn't see the value of comic books. Um, and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later with Jim Lee's plans for the future. But I I do get that sense that I think a lot of other people have gotten that they might be sort of freezing out regular physical comics. And I, I, I mean, that would just be the biggest tragedy. I can't think of a, you know, the, the world without comic books, the world without DC comic books. So I, I can't even begin to imagine what that would be like. Um, so my hope is that whatever happens, you know, we as fans can kind of stay supportive and continue to show that there's this huge interest in, in this entire universe. Um, and hopefully that just, hands out in the end but yeah I mean it's it's unfortunate and I don't really know where to point fingers but at at this point it seems like whoever's calling the shots here may not understand what the fans are looking for what the fans need um you know so maybe an increased present presence especially since we have fandom coming up maybe this is a good way for fans to interact and kind of you know voice their opinions but I guess we'll just have to see uh, Seth, what did you think? Man, it's a really, it's a really difficult thing to consider all the points you guys have brought up from the time that we're in and what it's like to lose your job and try and navigate that experience um, with so little certainty as to where you can actually like look to, either if it's to uh, another line of work within the industry or what your options might really be depending on how that industry is currently doing. Um, The fact that there is a third of the editorial staff, that there were people who were instrumental in a lot of the projects that we've talked so much about, whether it's uh, Black Label, as Brad brought up, um, how many people involved with DC Universe, as you both brought up, and the fact that they're also, you know, they went after the editor-in-chief, Bob Harris, who for the last 10 years has been part of the, this golden age that we've been talking about. There's always a danger when things get too good, when things are going too well to uh, make some rash decisions. But I also feel like it's really hard to predict anyone's thinking right now. There is such a climate of fear and uncertainty. There's a growing concern about what the way forward looks like and how it is that companies can stay financially viable. And then there's elements that haven't even really been addressed. Like just in this story, there's one source that says DC Universe was, you know, DOA, dead on arrival, as soon as the AT&T merger happened. Now, again, Kelly, as you pointed out, who do you point fingers at? AT&T, Warner, uh, you know, DC for how it managed DC Universe. Were there some poor decisions made? What led to the amount of money we overheard being the cost of Swamp Thing and the decision to cancel a series after the first episode shows? There were a lot of missteps in moments. And as I've seen mentioned in some articles talking about the Black Label decision, you know, that for all of the great content it was producing, uh, there's a, a certain viewpoint, perhaps, from those making these decisions that incidents like seeing a little too much of... Uh, Batman's full anatomy are a concern. 
you know what I mean? And that they carry uh, a, a long memory that, that doesn't go away. I, I can't tell how much of this all went in. And if at some point there's like a, hey, we're already needing to cut things because of costs. So we're just going to make some really broad cuts right now. Um, but I'm also, you know, looking at the fact that we're following this story up with the Jim Lee story. And I'm going to go ahead and transition us into that one, unless anyone had any final thoughts about the, the layoff story that we wanted to, to touch on before we move into what appears to be a response from Jim Lee and uh, a statement. Final thoughts? We good? We good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, uh, as I just said, <laughs> without a lot of mystery, uh, Jim Lee sat down recently to have a conversation about what the future of DC Comics looks like now. And while there's some points to be encouraged by, there also is, uh, I feel, uh, a degree of cautious optimism or just overall caution. Brad, tell me what your take was after we're talking about this layoff story and now we're going into what Jim Lee, kind of as the spokesman in the face, is saying, hey, here's what you should know now. This I, I now I I love Jim Lee as much as the next guy. He, he's been great for DC, and he's kind of a great um, I, I don't want to say figurehead because he does do so much work. He's not just I mean you know what I mean. But he he as the maybe as the public face of DC, he's done a lot of great things. Um, but this really felt to me like he was trying to put a silver lining on a really dark cloud. Um, and I just hope that is, okay, let's talk, let's talk comics first. Um, you know, how they, they want to really bulk up their digital platform and offer a lot of stuff digitally. I, part of me is hoping that is simply something that is more COVID related than a long-term business strategy, uh, because, that's gonna that would kill comics just going digitally there's a lot of people that don't like it and there is something about the physical book and the and the the action of collecting comics that would be lost and i i don't think it could survive without it and i just don't i i just don't see that happening or that ever being a smart move going strictly digital it's just it that can't happen forever and it won't so no matter in the long run, I don't think that print comics are going to go anywhere. Even if they go away for a little while, they'll come back. And, you know, so I hope they're just real, you know, it's more of a decision of what we have to deal with right now as COVID is still there and we have to get kind of get back on track and kind of get some footing again. I can understand that, but that can't be a long-term business strategy. It's just not going to work. Um, and what you what, what people seem to don't understand so much or or AT&T doesn't understand is that all these movies and TV shows that are coming out, the source material for those shows and comics, that's not old stories. I mean, we're talking look, I, I, you know, the the Court of Owls played a mm. part in things like Gotham and that's a new story. So if you're not having these new, these new stories that are being told and audiences you know responding to these stories that's going to drive a lot of the content for these movies and the movies are just not going to be as good um and that goes to marvel too things like civil war those were all you know that was a new story um 
I think one of the oldest stories that they really went back for was Infinity Gauntlet. So this this new stuff that's being produced, it has an effect and an influence on the stuff that really makes money, the movies. And it's just a bummer that the source of all of this entertainment that makes so much money and so much love, the source of it doesn't get any respect. And that is the comic book. And that is that is a shame. And that is something that is is um, if they try to take that away, it's it's it's, it's going to be a disaster. And as far as the streaming service goes, um, you know, he he mentioned a thing in that article that, oh, they're going to try to keep DC Universe as the comic service and then move all the original content over to HBO Max. Well, me personally, I, I don't really do digital comics, so that that's it's kind of a non-starter for me. So I don't think I would subscribe, but that's just I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that would, but that's just me. But I wasn't worried about the original content that the original content on the streaming service had a lot of positive response from fans and critics. I knew that wasn't going anywhere. They would find a place for that. But what is going to happen with the and I've said this before, stuff like Birds of Prey or the original Flash series or some, you know, the the older Shazam stuff that they have on there. What words are they going to put that on HBO? max or is that going to be just gone forever or you're forced to get it on dvds so that didn't really answer that question for me because that's one thing that i'm really really curious about with what they're going to do with some of that content so yeah you know with that old saying jim lee don't don't pee on my head and tell me it's raining uh (laughs) kelly (laughs) what do you think well said yeah (laughs) I feel that way exactly, though, where it I wanted to be comforted by what Jim Lee was saying. And I really tried to be. But it did just kind of read like uh, like he's trying to calm down the masses. But I just didn't get a sense that things are really okay. Um, You know, it, it was, I guess, comforting to see that he's saying, no, you know, absolutely. Are we? not going to stop producing comics but again i'm brad i'm like you i don't really like digital comics um and it's i i noticed he he seemed to really be stressing like we're going to be looking at more global options and more global characters and i mean that i in a sense i think that's a good thing but i i really felt as if there's going to be this big shift in what dc comics means and what dc comics is um because it i I don't know just something about the wording of you know they're going to be looking at more global markets and different distribution methods and i it almost sounds as if dc itself is going to you know up and move out of the u.s or something like that which is i mean if it keeps dc comics alive then that's not necessarily a bad thing but i don't know i just it's definitely the scariest announcement i think i've ever seen for this company in terms of the the future sounds really unclear um and yeah i just i i didn't buy into you know everything's okay and we're just you know rethinking some stuff but it's gonna be fine it's still gonna like i i just i don't know i'm not convinced and 
as far as DC Universe being um, a digital comic book subscription, I actually, for a class I took years ago, I had to get Marvel Unlimited, which was fine. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was useful for that course. And then I got to back read some old Marvel comics that I've been meaning to read. Um, And I I don't think I continued the subscription, but it, it was a useful platform. But again, I... You know, if I need to look something up for an article I'm doing or if I just want to refresh my memory on a book or learn about a character, I might read comics digitally um, because that's easier. But once I really enjoy a story and I've done that a lot where I'll start reading something digitally on DC Universe and then once I'm a couple issues in and I'm like, all right, yes, I'm sold. Then I'll just buy the actual trade paperback or the physical comics, whatever is available. so it, it would definitely change my experience as a reader if the only way to see these comics was digitally. Um, you know, I, I think that my readership would go down. And it, it has gone down a bit through COVID because I, I've told you guys before, there, there was so much confusion with even finding a store to get books from. And now I'm so far behind on the stuff that I wanted to read that I'm back reading stuff that, you know, everybody else has probably read months ago. Um, And I just, I don't know. I mean, the digital wasn't a pull for me before, and it's probably not going to be a very big pull for me in the future. Because I think so much of, and maybe this is what, you know, Warner or AT&T doesn't understand, so much of being a comic book fan is the feeling of going to a store and the feeling of collecting the books and having them and being able to share them with people and sort of that community aspect, um, which is also something that's going to go away if DC Universe goes away. So I'm... I, I think that might be one of the core pieces that's missing is it's not just about the content, the books and the movies, but it's also about the fans and how it is that we, you know, have created this big, you, you look at conventions and you have 300,000 people going to New York Comic Con and it's, it, that just didn't come from us all being online and watching movies and reading digital books that comes mm-hmm. from, you know, making friends at local stores and having something that you kind of share with a wider audience. Um, So I I definitely am skeptical and sad, honestly. Uh, Seth, what'd you think? Wow. Okay, guys, don't hold back. Tell me how you really feel. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I completely understand. Brett, I think you brought up a really important point, which is Jim Lee is probably the most recognizable face at DC Comics. I can't think of somebody else who fans know as well because of his work in so many different places and because of what he's done with so many different characters. So I I get that he's the guy. And I also kind of feel like they were like, so you want the CCO title or what? Okay, well, here's where you step up, right? Because I feel like he wasn't the one making these decisions. He was the one who was probably involved in trying to save what could be saved and then whatever else probably he was powerless over because whoever is making these decisions, they're not showing up in an interview like this. Cause I'm pretty sure they're going to say the one thing that's probably the hardest to always hear about comics is that it's an industry. It makes money. And if it doesn't make money, it does things until it makes money. Sometimes it does some horrible things. I've got a collection of ill-advised foil covered comics from the nineties that we're all part of that attempt to make money, the the gimmick process and everything else. And 
unfortunately, when you're thinking about things in those terms, yeah, the words that he gives us, they fall flat. And uh, Kelly, I'm, I'm with you. There's a lot of skepticism to be had here. I mean, the, the one question that I felt like was the biggest brush off was, so what about the idea that uh, AT&T hates comics and wants to get out? I don't think they wanted to stop us from publishing comics. Okay, in no way do you address the word hate there whatsoever. <laughs> and you know they what, go, then uh, AT&T, sorry, what yo, I would say ahead, is that AT&T should just sell DC then. I mean, yeah. if that's the case, just sell it. Right. But they seem to buy into this idea, which is important. And I think you illustrate well that they, you know, can see where they help incubate ideas, um, which I think they serve a lot more of a purpose than that. But I can see that that's where they land on it. Uh, the thing about DC Universe, yeah, we all saw the migration of original content. We, we've we hashed this out a few times about how the, the quality and the rewards program and other things has fallen off. And Brad, you know, you, you really worry me when you bring up ideas about where does some of that content like the old Flash series go? Because originally that aired on different networks. DC Universe was the first place to pull all those things together. So does that mean it reverts back to I think it was CBS that originally aired on CBS or ABC um, and and other shows? Do they do they get pulled into Cartoon Network or other networks where they originally aired because it's cheaper for or it's more economical for DC to uh, make or its parent holders now to make money off of licensing or selling or renting out the license rights for other companies to air it on their channels and platforms? I don't know how things are going to look when the dust settles after, say, September 25th, because that's the last time you can turn in your rewards. I feel like we're going to get, as we get closer to that, more is going to happen with DC Universe. Um, and I, I really feel like he 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 gives us a good idea of, of what what he's looking at um, with this, this concept of windowing, which is it's a digital release first, we see how it does. And then if it does to a certain degree, or if it meets whatever markers or indicators, then we go ahead and create a physical version of that, which just, it, it, it kind of tears to shreds all of those other things that we've come to love about the physical release from the variants to the original issues, to collecting single issues, to having the choice between single issues and collected trades. Um, it, it, it's not encouraging because the reason they made a lot of these decisions right now is based on what the 2025 lowest performing percentage was, right? And those are all these titles we'll be talking about later that are getting canceled. So if they're only looking at the high performers, it also sounds like they're going to then use that model to turn around and say, those are the products that we're going to market digitally and physically to a global audience. And we have to do a limited number of those because we can only put so much money and when we do put that money down, it's only going to be behind the highest performers, which it leaves a lot of great titles, stories just in the wind or forgotten, you know, just never even to be considered because they won't be considered viable in the market. Those are a lot of heavy things to consider. And for all the ways he wants to, you know, put a, a, a bright spin on this. There's moments where saying things like there's nothing further from the truth than that. I don't know where you would connect those dots. Why would we ever do that? Those all sound like questions to me. They don't sound like answers. So then I'm also like, come on, man. Like uh, like Brad was saying, don't 
don't try and tell me it's raining when what you're really doing is something else. Uh, I think that's a beautiful image um, for, for all its graphic qualities. <laughs> and I think it's really important. I think uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, impact of this as we keep on moving through our story list. But as we pointed out, this is among our breaking news. And we have one final breaking news story to uh, shift over to. And guys, thanks for all your great points. Uh, I tried to come back on most of them, and then if I missed anything, final chance to final words on Jim Lee and all this. I just want to say that I don't blame Jim Lee. I mean, I understand that that was, you know, he, this wasn't his idea. This wasn't, this is, he was the messenger in all this. So I said, no, dude, I'm totally writing him and saying that you blame him. I'm going yeah. <laughs> to, dude, Brad says it's like... all your fault, and now I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and you know, I, I get that if you know, if you want somebody to go out there and say it, and the other three options are like, uh, uh, you know, or just like, uh, I'm just gonna tell them it sucks and go away. Like you're like, can we get somebody out there who can talk to people in a way that's reasonable? Like Jim's like, hi, I got you, no problem. Here I am. I can I can also see that happening, too, where he's just like, I'm not going to get a lot of love for this, but I'm the only one who can do it. And uh, to that, hey, you know, you stood up, you're going to take some shots. Uh, We wish you could have told us more. And I also feel like there is probably a limit to what he actually could say, Um, how that plays out. uh, Well, we have, like I said, more about these stories to continue on down the road. Our final breaking news story is the announcement that New York Comic Con has been canceled, but not entirely. Okay, so Brad, as our, I think, closest closest locationally, geographically to uh, this story, I'm going to ask you to break it down first. Oh, man, this 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 is heartbreaking. I uh, I've been going to um, New York Comic Con every year. I've not missed a year since it started back in 2006. And in fact, I think I credit New York Comic Con with why I'm still such a, a passionate fan for all this stuff because every year going there, it just reminded me how close the community is and, and how fun it is for everybody to come together and celebrate what they like. Everybody felt welcome. Even in the midst of all Gamergate and Comicsgate and all that nonsense, I never felt unwelcome. I never felt like I wasn't cool enough to be there, I guess. And it's just a shame not to have that um, this year. I always kind of think of two metaphors when I think of New York Comic Con um, for me. is kind of, is in the Christmas story when Ralphie talks about how Christmas is the day that the that the kids' year revolves around, and I felt like my year revolved around New York Comic Con <laughs> a bit. And um, there's the the Blind Melon video for No Rain when the B girl she's walking around all sad, and then she opens that gate, and the sun comes up, and she sees all the other bees, and she's so happy. And that's kind of like what it is when you walk into Javits Center for the first time during Comic Con. Is just you you you're you're like you're with your tribe, and um, it, it's it's just going to be a bummer to you know to not have that, and it's just gonna it's it's going to be such a long wait, uh, you know, before we go back, and it's just it's 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 a shame, you know, to have to wait a whole another you know like year and a few months now, so it's it's it, that's going to be a bummer, but I mean they are going to have some good uh, some good virtual content, um, and that's that's going to be you know good to participate. 
and you'll be able to kind of catch up on everything that you want to. You won't have to pick and choose the panels you want to go to. You'll be able to take them all in. So that's going to be good. And I'm sure that um, they're going to have some good stuff. Uh, because it takes place in the fall, there was always such a very strong TV presence at New York Comic Con. And it looks like FX is going to be there. So it looks like we're still going to have that with some of these virtual panels. So it looks like we'll still be getting some some cool announcements. Uh, Kelly? Yeah, I. this is definitely heartbreaking. Although I'll, I'll say that I saw it coming. I think even yeah. at one point I thought that it already had been canceled. And then last week at some point I saw, saw an article that said, oh, no, New York Comic Con's not canceled yet. It's still up on the site. And I looked and I was like, oh, my God, is it still happening? I thought we all knew that this wasn't happening. And then the next day it was officially canceled. I was like, oh, that was I went to bed super hopeful. For <laughs> I, it's it is really unfortunate. Um, I think the first time I went to New York Comic Con, I was in high school, and I had never been to a convention before, and it was a lot smaller back then. Like I, I think I almost feel as if we were in, in like a, a hotel or something. I I don't really remember it that well, but I do remember just this overwhelming feeling of like, wow, I am so interested in everything in this building. And some things I was like, I'd never seen cosplay before. So I was like, whoa, this is like, this is just a whole other level. But coming back from it, I was so much more comfortable, um, I guess, in my own nerdiness. Like that, that was the period of my life where I started, you know, just going to the comic book store instead of finding what uh, trade reprints I could get from Barnes and Noble. That was sort of the beginning of me saying, all right, well, there are, there are places I can go to really, really get into this. So that sort of started my regular comic book store excursions and, and all of that. Um, and it, it's so unfortunate. Last year, I think I can genuinely say that Comic-Con weekend was the best weekend of the entire year. Um, my boyfriend and I went and we had a ball, which was crazy because we had a cat that died that weekend. And somehow, like, <laughs> Comic-Con was so fun that the cat dying thing was bumped to, like, number two. And it was a sad number two. Like, I lost a car that weekend. Like, <laughs> there, was, there were a lot of terrible things happening that weekend. But Comic-Con was so much fun that it overrode everything. So, I mean, we, we've both kind of been in a slump the past couple months thinking like it's definitely canceled. Um, and the fact that part of it is going to be online, I, that is really great. And I like that fans can still get the information and everything that they need. Although I will say, I hope it's a little bit more fun um, than San Diego was. Cause I think that just felt a little, a little spaced out. I didn't feel kind of involved in any sort of, community with it. it it was just very much like watching the different youtube streams on the you know the various screens in my house um so i'm really hoping that new york comic-con maybe has i don't know something a little bit more engaging a little bit more react or uh interactive but yeah i mean this this is just the reality of it and i think brad we've talked about before how crowded new york comic-con is and i think even if it wasn't canceled I would have a hard time convincing myself to go because it is a massive, massive event with just wall-to-wall people all day. Yeah. And yeah, there is no social distancing at New York Comic Con. Not even possible. Like, <laughs> you, if I had like the smallest little drawstring backpack on, and I think my like 
the the front of me and that backpack were always touching some stranger. Like there, there's just no yeah. room. We're basically packed in. And whatever whatever direction the crowd's going in is the direction you are also going in. <laughs> and yeah, I it makes sense. And I don't think there was a viable way for them to pull it off this year, but it is still really unfortunate. Um, and then that coming on the heels of everything with DC, it just, it's like hit after hit. And what feels the craziest to me is that up until... I guess up in, even through COVID, but really up until COVID, I was like, this is, you know, the time for comic book fans. Everybody's interested in the movies. Everybody's interested in conventions. There's more people than ever trying to figure out the books and get, you know, get on par with the books. And this mix of COVID and then whatever is going on higher up at DC just feels like this massive opportunity to have even more comic book fans than you know, we've probably seen in our lifetime is getting missed somehow. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm glad that they're doing the online content, but my hope is that we can find a way, you know, once everything is safe again and we can kind of be in bigger public places again, to, even if there are just mini pop-up events, like we saw with when they were um, advertising for Birds of Prey, just something to get people engaged and interested in reading comics. Um, and I, I know personally, I have a lot of friends who are interested in comics and have a few and want to get to reading them, but they're just so confused about where to jump in and they don't know where to start. Um, and if that was more of a focus, even if there was a panel on one of the online things for that, something that you could definitively show a friend like, all right, this is how you figure out where you get into this. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm bummed. I'm bummed out, guys. Seth, what about you? <laughs> I understand, and I can't fully understand all the feelings you guys are describing to me, because you've both been there. I never have. I was technically born in New York. I was born on Long Island, but I had to move away when my dad got laid off, and they hired him out here in the West Coast, and and that was it. Like, <laughs> that was the job that provided for the family. That that was, I think I went back once in, like, 1990. And um, again, on a trip with my wife in like 2009. But other than that, uh, it's it's always I, I can't explain my life schedule, but for some reason, it's always hard for me to go that far. <laughs> um, and and it's never been something I could experience. So I, I love the way you guys were able to sort of create for anyone else who hasn't been there what it is that's being missed by this cancellation. And how much uh, is trying to be recreated with this decision to uh, have a, a YouTube channel from uh, the 8th through the 11th, you know, doing some live stream stuff from the different brands. But that from what you've described also and both of you so well, it, it simply wasn't going to be feasible given the limitations that the current pandemic has placed upon us that that there wouldn't be the options for social distancing that we need in order for people to be safe. I, I get that it's a, um, I get that it's a blow. There's another part of me that's looking at it that says, okay, but it's also not the place that'll be the story where, yeah, and this is where COVID totally blew up because they kept the con going. Everybody who went, you know, like 50% got sick or, or some other crazy thing like that. Like I never want to tarnish, 
you know, the reputation of something by having something so bad associated with it or such a problem. And it's safety. I, I get all that, too. Uh, but I do think that there's a, a challenge right now for anyone we know who's like, hey, you know what? I've got time. I would dig into comics if I knew where the hell I was, what the hell is going on around me. And if someone can explain to me why it is that I can't read uh, 52 then Rebirth, then Crisis on Infinite Earths, and, you know, feel like I've got continuity down. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, their people need to feel like they've got a place where they can jump in. They need to feel like they can go and experience it kind of in person. Catch the... You want to catch the, the the con and comics bug. You don't want to catch any other bugs. It's, it's just a big problem all the way around and, and until we can get past this. And, I mean, I kind of felt like when we started seeing... San Diego, the Olympics, so many major events just go, nope, we're hitting the pause button, that that it was only going to be a matter of time for so many other things that maybe weren't going to announce as quickly, but eventually would have to come to the same decision. It's really difficult. Um, I, I also, you know, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that, you know, you pointed out that this was a place where shows had a chance to do so much. And so many of those shows are in such an uncertain place. Either they didn't get to finish their seasons, they're not even sure when they're picking back up again. It, it, it could really be difficult for even the content that they do want to have available to actually like have any relevance if it's like, yeah, this is what we want to do when things pick back up. And this is what we're hoping for because otherwise we haven't been able to do anything up until now. It, so the only thing I'm really going to focus on is the fact for me, uh, I know that we do have fandom that we were just talking about to look forward to. Hopefully there's enough information from that that can carry through. And maybe we're still catching up on videos by the time that New York Comic Con was supposed to happen comes around. And also the fact that, hey, uh, you and everyone else who would have gone, you're not going, which means in my book, you've got greater chances of being healthy and going next year when I hope it is restarted. And you can tell us about how much more you love it now that you're back again, especially after having to miss it for a year. You know what I mean? Like absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing. It's all a love yeah, story, it'll be, right? It'll be insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that. that's that's the story that I can look forward to now. It's like, you know what? Okay, so this is the hard part. So let's look to the celebration because that's what I can lift my eyes up to. That's the... That's the thing I can I can look forward to and getting the first person stories from Kelly and uh, Brad. Trust me, that's something you want to look forward to, too. You know, these guys, you love these guys like we do, like I do. Shoot. Come on now. It's DC Comics News. So that covers all of our breaking news. We're shifting gears into our movie news and we get a chance to get a little introspective with the announcement that the. The Batman will explore the soul of Bruce Wayne in this film. Hmm. I I might have to brush off my philosophy 101 book. While I am, Brad, I'd love to know your thoughts. Well, this seems to be par for the course of what we heard uh, at a lot of stories that are coming out about the story, that it is really going to be a kind of cerebral psychiatric breakdown almost of Bruce Wayne really going to get into his head. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think this is, I can't wait to see footage from this to see how that is kind of treated on screen, what the colors are going to look like, what the tone is going to feel like. 
uh, on this film um, because you know both Tim Burton and Christopher Nolan's they all had and Joel Schumacher they all had such a distinct look and with with this whole introspective thing it, it seems like they're really going for something specific and I'm just curious how that's going to translate to how what the film actually looks like uh, Kelly yeah I um I, I guess I just kind of have to echo you in this. I like the idea for one that we're seeing uh, a more intimate portrait of Bruce Wayne, because looking back at the Batman movies that have come out previously, we do see, we see a decent amount of Bruce Wayne. We see a decent amount of Batman, but I feel as though we don't really, really dive into his psyche in terms of, you know, being a young man dealing with a traumatic past. Um, you know, we, we see the flashbacks, we hear him talk about his parents' death and talk about his goals, but it's one thing to see an actor kind of voice the the internal monologue of a character and to have a movie that explores that internal monologue a little more. So I, I think not so much that previous Batman movies haven't been personal, but it, it sounds like this one's going to be a little bit more personal and a little bit closer to... Uh, you know, almost a character study of Bruce Wayne. And I do really like that idea. Um, I think I've probably been one of the more outspoken skeptics of this movie from the beginning, just because it sounded like such a, a hodgepodge at the time. And it, it came, the announcement about it came out at a time that I was thinking, you know, do we really need another Batman movie right now? But from what I've heard going forward from what it, you know from what has been released and announced about the movie I am actually really excited for it at this point um anything that gets us closer into Batman's head because they're still even as fans even as much as we watch and and read about and know Batman there's still that little party that's like this I we can't fully know him because he's he's like a I was going to say he's like a superhero. He is a superhero. But he's, he's so... <laughs> On the nose. <laughs> On the nose. Put your fingers in your nose, everyone. Exactly. He's a, Batman is a superhero, for anyone who didn't know. He's <laughs> very omnipresent. He seems to know everything. And he seems to always make the right decision, no matter what. And there's that part of his mind we're just not that connected to, um, as far as how he turned into a person who can always make a good call um so yeah i'm i'm excited for this i do like where it seems like this is going seth what do you think i was intrigued i am intrigued i speak now in the present fully intrigued uh, <laughs> i i'm caught by the fact that you know um, i think it's a an interesting challenge to present and we've seen previous attempts previous examples um whether it was from Batman versus Superman and the image of um, Ben Affleck remembering his childhood falling down the hole and what sort of his description was. And we can see Christian Bale trying to, you know, describe to us what it is that he, he needs to become, something that they fear, something that, you know, strips away reason and and speaks right to that idea of fear. And without having, you know, a Batman who like stands in the moonlight in front of his window and says, to be or not to be, what is the Batman? Is it to fly <laughs> through the night? 
Is it to, you know, make bat sounds? Is it, you know what I mean? To suffer the slings and arrows and all that. Like, we don't need to see him do that for us like he would on a stage. But in some way, what you want to accomplish with this idea of exploring the soul, you have to show visually unless you're going to, you know, give us a, uh, an audio voiceover that's supposed to be his thinking in certain moments. And whatever the approach is going to be, I think that's probably the most important challenge. What about that approach is the most authentic to this version of Batman? And how do you show what an exploration of the soul looks like when people from outside are viewing it? And unless you're doing, say, you know, um, backgrounds or flashbacks or things like that um it could be difficult in the present to show what a character's thinking now i am intrigued because we have seen great moments where you can have that character that they talk to so whether it's conversations with alfred which would be pretty awesome whether it's scenes we've seen in the comics or in shows like playing chess or uh doing some other activity that is part of a conversation as well and, and what that can look like and, and what that meaning can be. But also, if there's a way to show a scene that either represents that or that describes a scenario. I'm, I'm reminded of, you ever see the movie Bullets Over Broadway? Uh, it was uh, one of the ones done by the guy who did Annie Hall, whose name is totally escaping me. I can totally see his face and his glasses and everything. But... Um, it's an attempt to talk about this idea and it starts out with a bunch of people sitting around a table and they say a building's burning and there's only one room that you can save the contents of. One room contains the last remaining works printed of William Shakespeare and in the other room is a woman with her family. Which do you choose? Art or life? And then it proceeds throughout the rest of the movie to then try and answer that question. What's more important to an artist? Art or life? And it's an approach and it's an attempt. But it's it seems like for this movie they have that idea of what they want to set up and then how they want to present it and if they do it right we could get a great opportunity to see uh this development of his foundation like setting all of the framework with the wooden carpentry and then pouring that cement foundation and saying this is where this batman stands this is what his soul is telling him and then as we let the cement set we kind of get a better idea of how he'll be Basing his decisions, his actions, his all of that. I'm really intrigued by the approach. I'm curious to see how they're going to pull it off. Um, you know, there have been naysayers like Kelly, who just all the time is just totally no. <laughs> um, but there have been some concerns. But I then also remember that it was Kelly who reminds me that Robert Pattinson can brood. If the man can do anything, it's brood. So, you know, there's... <laughs> there's some strong things to uh, look forward to. Now, this is important to keep in mind because so often a positive story like this uh, can be, you know, balanced out by a, a less positive story, like the recent announcement from Warner Media, in which their CFO is hinting at further release delays that we can expect in the future. I kind of saw this coming, so. I'm just going to let you both just sort of chime in if there's anything about this story that said anything more than what you already kind of figured. Or if it was, hey, that's great. Dog bites man, sky blue, sun rises, then sets. Uh, Brad, what, what about you? 
Yeah, I mean, he had no choice. I mean, we're not in any position to say that we can definitely go to movie theaters in October to see Wonder Woman. We're just we're just not there yet. So I, I don't think he had much of a choice but to say that everything's still kind of iffy. We're going to try, but we can't be positive um, that, that we can release it then. So, yeah, this was to be expected. And, and um, you know, I, I don't you know, it, it's kind of an obvious thing. I think that we all kind of knew that that was coming until I'm actually sitting in a theater watching Wonder Woman 84. I'm still going to be expecting delays. <laughs> I don't know when it will be, but until then, I yeah, I I'm still expecting it to be pushed back. Uh, Kelly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, at this point, this was kind of expected. Um, it, it does concern me that they're talking about finding new ways of distributing movies as far as maybe just saying screw it to the to the theaters as a whole. Um, and it, the example I would use is my brother and sister-in-law have been going to like drive through church, basically. It's, it's a drive-in movie, but it's church. And I mean, I, I didn't ask about this, specific, <laughs> but like it, it works. They have this big, um, this big field that everybody pulls their cars up. They have all these screens so people can see. I mean, bring back drive-in movies then. If it's, I, I feel like this is a point where everyone's dying to be out of their house, but nobody wants to get COVID. Um, you know, so something as easy as you just pull up pay your ticket, you sit in a big field or in a warehouse or whatever and watch the movie. I mean, it drive-in theaters were a thing back in the day, so I'm just putting it out there. This might be the time to revamp those drive-ins. But yeah, I mean, this it's expected. It's unfortunate. My hope is just that they find a way around it, which again, if there can be drive-in church, there can be a drive-in Wonder Woman. I'm just putting that out there. Seth? If there can be drive-in church, there should be, there must be, <clears throat> there will be drive-in Wonder Woman. I saw Return of the Jedi in a drive-in theater. That was my first drive-in theater experience. It is it, embedded in my brain in, in a way that I am only too thankful for. I I would love to. Look, you know, I... <laughs> Let me put in my hot dog and hamburger, popcorn, whatever order through the app, hook up some Bose Harman Kardon Boston acoustic speakers to my, you know, side of my car and let's rock and roll. <laughs> I'm, I'm so game for this. I would totally watch a movie. Are you kidding? I bring my dogs. I roll down that lay down the back seat. Um, like I, I, I don't get like, where's the problem? Yeah, hear that silence? That's that's because there's no problem. So yeah, just make it happen. Um, I, I do understand too. They're looking at different things. I mean, Disney recently decided that they're going to have Mulan, uh, the live action version, as a rental on their streaming service. Uh, a lot of people are wondering what Tenet's going to do when it releases overseas because it can't release here in the states. Um, and you know, then someone's showing me pictures of New Zealand where they've handled COVID so well. All their outdoor dining and other things have opened back up. I, it's an island, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a party that's like, we can get there. We can get there. And until we do, there's things we can consider, like a drive-in. Because I, come on, man. I like drive-ins. And like Kelly just said, if it works for church, what's that's the, so. And about this story, uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to my original statement. 
mandates dog these are things that happen like we knew this was coming they're definitely not going to settle on something about october yet they're going to keep watching and waiting and you know when you're playing with a lot of money I, I, i get it i get it now like we said balance some eh some yay this one falls more into the yay for me. We actually get a chance to hear from Kristen Wiig in an in-style interview about what it was like preparing to become Barbara Minerva, Cheetah, and what her experience was from finding out about Wonder Woman 1984 to preparing for it and filming it. Brad, what'd you think about this interview? I really enjoyed this for two reasons. One, I never realized how much of a fan she was and how she was so excited to want to be in a movie like this. And that goes so far into helping create a great performance. So that is uh, a really, a really good sign. And another good sign was how she was talking about how everyone got along together, kind of living in that little village while they filmed. And when the crew gets along it goes a long way to to making a great finished movie or TV. And I go back to Firefly. I think one of the reasons why people love Firefly so much is that the cast and crew just seem like such a tight unit. They seem like they were family. And um, that that does go a long way. So that was kind of nice to hear that they were all that close when making the movie. Uh, Kelly? Yeah, this was a fun article. Um, I I do really like the fact that Kristen Wiig is is a long term fan, um, and that this is you know a, a dream role for her. And I thought it was kind of funny to hear her process as far as looking at the different stunts she had to do and being like, "I are you crazy? I can't do that." Because I, I have to imagine that would be my reaction. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> Like, if, if you put something on screen, you're like, all right, so you're going to flip over this car, kick that man in the face, and then land attractively on the ground. I'd be like, I can't do a single one of those things. But, yeah, this I mean, this was a fun interview. And I would love to know exactly how she survived off, um, I believe it was Epsom salt and wine. That sounds like a very interesting um, end of the day refurbishment kit but in any case I I do really like that they're having fun on this movie um because I I think that shows in the first Wonder Woman movie that you know there was this camaraderie between the cast between the crew between uh Patty Jenkins and everybody on set um and I I have to admit that so much of my hope in DC as a whole is riding on Patty Jenkins somehow like she's it, whenever I'm I'm feeling depressed about the future of DC, I just picture her like can-do face, and I'm like, okay, dude, we'll we'll make it, we'll do this. So, I mean, I'm I'm very excited for Wonder Woman 1984, and I actually for the first time last week got my boyfriend to watch Wonder Woman, and we got to the end of it, and he was like, that was amazing, that was so cool, and I was like, do you want to watch the 1984 trailer? Which normally his response <laughs> to saying you want to watch a trailer is, uh, no, and he was like, yeah. And so I put it on. And he was like, "So Steve's not dead? Is he dead?" And I'm like, yeah, "All right, if this man's excited about a movie, then it's got to be a good movie." So I, I have so much hope riding on this. I just, I, I'm not worried that the movie won't be amazing. I'm just, you know, still apprehensive about how and when we'll see it. But 
make this a drive-in movie. I mean, wasn't that a thing in the 80s? Wouldn't that be so nostalgic? Set up a bunch of Wonder Woman drive-ins. That'd be amazing. But yeah, this I, I love this interview. I love it. I love Kristen Wiig. Everything about this puts me in a significantly better mood than I was in five minutes ago. Seth? <laughs> well, that's awesome. You know what? That was the purpose of the story. We only put it in there to make Kelly smile. Um, and now that she is we're we're set no uh (laughs) kelly that's probably a great description i am with you i am happy to go ahead and hinge the future of everything on patty jenkins if she's down for it i don't know if she's up for that kind of pressure patty get back to us let us know but but for the future of dc right (laughs) it it reminds me of back in the uh world cup when the u.s was like barely getting in there and the one guy who kept them going was the goalie I don't know if you remember him, but he was a super big guy, strong. And the way he had so many saves, suddenly all these memes were popping up. And he's like saving the dinosaurs from the asteroid. And he's like saving rockets or missiles being fired. Or No, am I alone in this one? It's okay. Um, do you guys remember that? Uh, no, but it sounds actually. <laughs> yeah. If you look him up, he's... I feel like his last name's Howard, um, and he was playing. He also plays in the English Premier. He was in Germany. Uh, he was such a big deal. I mean, the guy was a sav. And there was just this thing where he was just like, I mean, all the memes were just like he's saving everything. Titanic from the iceberg, like you name it. It was just ridiculous. So I feel like yeah, Patty Jenkins can pretty much save the world in the future. I think Wonder Woman drive-ins are the right way to go. I love this interview with Kristen Wiig. The Epsom salt. If you've ever hurt your body like I have, it's your favorite thing to pour into a hot bath and you just soak in it. And then I can imagine getting numb with wine was a pretty good balance out, like for the body, for the head, boom, boom, boom. And yeah. But I also love the fact that she's like, are you insane? You want me to do what? Because that would pretty much be my response to. Um, <laughs> and, and I love the passion. I love the excitement. Um, and I love that she really pairs down what her experience like uh, was like because she's like, no, I wasn't Gal Gadot, who was there every day, who was training ridiculously. But I did my part and they got me to the point where I could do it. And then also the the cool little insights just about what it was like with the village, the costumes, the trying on um, and that they weren't allowed to take any pictures, which I get it. I get it. I get it. But overall, this was just a really encouraging story, something to help us continue looking forward to Wonder Woman 1984 whenever it shows up. I I love your story, Kelly, about your boyfriend's reaction. That's that's awesome. Like that he loved the movie and then he's like, so sequel and Steve and I have questions. (laughs) And I like I could hear you like let the hook nibble around his cheek. And then when he said that, you're like, and set the hook. Got that fish. Okay. (laughs) Reel him on in, folks. I said, you want to watch the trailer? I was like, I I must have sounded like a creepy supervillain. I was like, you want to see a trailer? (laughs) (laughs) Come with me, young man. Let me show you the world. Um, (laughs) Very, very impressive. Uh, The... uh, the Wicked Witch with the Apple, she'd be proud. Um, so <laughs> with all of that in mind, I'm shifting us into TV and streaming news. We're going to get through a couple stories, take an ad break, and then we've got comics ahead of us. Thanks for hanging in as we get through so much great content, including this TV news story kicking things off for us. Uh, a conversation with Kevin Conroy, who doesn't have all the best memories about 
Crisis on Infinite Earths and his recent live action appearance. Brad, what would you think about this story? Uh, kind of mixed feelings. I felt bad that he didn't enjoy it more. He did say he had fun. Um, I, I didn't realize that fans were kind of upset. That was kind of new to me. I, uh, from what Same I here. from what from what I understood, people just loved it. I mean, I did. I, I loved having him there. I mean, I certainly knew he was going to be an older Batman. So I don't exactly know what fans were expecting, other than you know the the Batman Beyond Bruce Wayne, which he's you know he's not 80 so you know i guess they consider him a little too young for that <laughs> but um yeah i don't exactly know what people would be expecting to not to be disappointed but because i i personally i wasn't so that was kind of that was surprising to me um but at least he did say that he had fun so at least he did have some positive things to say about it uh kelly yeah i i felt bad Definitely that he didn't see it as the best experience ever, but I do really, I, I say every time we talk about Kevin Conroy, I say that I respect him because he is someone so proud of his role as Batman. And it's something that he's, I, I, I think sometimes we have actors who will, you know, dive into the superhero world for a little bit and then they're like, yeah, it was fun. It was silly, whatever. Kevin Conroy is someone who just seems to really, really love that he's Batman um, to the point that he basically got on a plane without looking at a script for this. I mean, that, that is faith to be like, whatever, I'm Batman. I'm going to get on this plane. I, so, you know, the fact that he was a little bit disappointed in what it ended up being, um, but he still went with it. He still had a good time. Like he seems like he would just be the best person to work with on a set because it's, you know, I'm not totally happy, but I'm here. We'll, we'll do what we can do. Um, I, yeah, I also didn't know that there were fans who were upset because to me it's just it's live action Kevin Conroy. I mean, that's awesome. That's not, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I do think if anything, this shows that he is still so dedicated um, to Batman and Batman fans because I, I think that to some extent you always hear these stories about actors who, you know, something's not quite right or they're frustrated with something and they just make it miserable on set. And he seems like he was like, all right, not necessarily what I wanted to do, but let's do it. Let's go. And I do, I really do respect him for that. Seth? I completely respect him for all the time that he's put in. And it's a little disheartening to, to hear that after some 25 years of not being in front of the camera, he finally gets a chance to playing a character that he's helped define. And it could have gone a little bit better. But it, it seems like part of the process was a guarded script that he didn't really get a chance to see much about until he's already on the plane. So uh, a, a lot of credence goes to um, his decision to be a part of this without knowing more than he did and then realizing what he was involved in and then doing his best to have fun with it. I join you both in saying I didn't know people were so upset. And if you're one of those people, please let us know, because I'd be curious to know when you were saying this and why I missed it, because I felt like if there had been a certain amount of vocal pushback or, you know, other statements made against it, it would have been something we might have covered or at least have known about in some way. Yet I'm, you know, in accordance with uh, Brad and Kelly that this wasn't something I was aware of. So. A really interesting story for me, just overall. The fact that I, I would have liked him to, to have had a better experience, and I also, you know, had no idea that there had been uh, so much 
you know, or that there had been even a, a noticeable degree of negative response. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of how his character, you know, the story part played out. But overall, I had such a great time that I, I'd be curious to hear more at some point when he's ready or others are able to disclose in any way. But overall, I appreciate the fact that as a cosplay professional, he dealt with the parts that he didn't love and then still found a way to have fun. That's usually the example that you're really looking for. Um, but I think it also goes back to, you know, what you're saying, Brad, about how this is a really interesting comparison to the Kristen Wiig story we just had and and how that really made a difference in how the final product came out. Um, there were, you know, uh, I think more hits than misses when it came to um, crisis, but there have been other things that have been raised as issues or questions or things like that. So I'm just curious if maybe the putting together of all the pieces didn't have something to do with the end product. And this is one of those examples we can point to. We're like, hey, you want a project to go better? Look at elements like this and and keep that in mind for whatever you can do to try and prevent it. I'm uh, I'm curious if we'll, we'll get any more in the future. But I, I'm also then looking at our next story, which is Jeff Johns, who's reassuring fans of Stargirl ahead of its move to the CW, which is something that Steve J. Ray voiced on here, and we have actually had some discussions about when the decision was first announced. Brad, what was your take on this story? Uh, I didn't... I didn't need reassuring. Um, there's, you know, it's funny you guys are talking about how Patty <laughs> I'm all right. save DC, but there's there's a few things that I'm not worried about when it comes to DC. Uh, one of that is the, is the success of um, Death Metal. Uh, one is, um, and one is Stargirl, uh, definitely everybody loved it. I've not heard one bad thing. So, and it was already, you know, it was already, um, uh, renewed for a second season. So we knew that that was, that that was coming. Um, and you know, we figured that CW would, would be the home for it. Now, what I don't know, I mean, it's interesting that you bring up Steve, uh, because I wonder how that's going to affect how people, you know, in, in England and other places can see it. That something that I, I hadn't considered when reading it because I was like, well, you know, like I said, I was like, I, I wasn't worried about the 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 future of Stargirl. But, um, yeah, I mean, I hope it doesn't interfere with uh, people in other countries who could see it somehow and now won't be able to. Um, but it seems... Which may be a silly concern because I guess it seems like more people had access to CW shows than DC Universe shows. So, so we'll see. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, um, I I would say I'm not all that concerned about Stargirl either. Um, I I mean the quality of the show is fantastic, and the fact that they're sort of you know basically keeping the same production methods, they're staying in Atlanta, they're not um, you know complete completely flipping the script for season two i i'm not that concerned um and it is a really good show which if anything that's another little i'll, I'll toss another penny in the hope well for dc because it, this shows that dc universe produced have overall been really really fantastic um so yeah I, i'm not at all concerned about star girl or the future of star girl um it's it's just been a fun show show so far so yeah i I don't know. This this is just one thing I'm not worried. It's it's alongside Patty Jenkins, like you said, Brad, definitely. 
Um, that and of course, you know, metal is just you can't. I've I've met people who aren't even comic book fans who are like, yeah, that metal that looks pretty cool. So. <laughs> You know, yeah, and, I, and Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol, I don't think we have to worry about Doom Patrol. Anyway. Those yeah. are like the three things. <laughs> very true, very true. What do you think, Seth? Uh, I, I, I agree with you guys after reading this story. It sounds like all of the things that make the show great aren't changing. Their visual effects, the fact that they've got the robot in one location, they're not trying to move it. Um, you know, I, I feel like that, that sense of we know what works best for us and part of us moving was that we get to keep all those pieces. And that's important because we've we've seen issues with shows. They point out the Supergirl example. I remember even way back when Buffy switched networks and you could feel it in the production quality. You could feel it in the storytelling. You could hear about it later in the interviews with the lead. It, it was something that was different and it, it showed. And this goes back to, you know, what we were just talking about a little while ago with how productions and the environments are created. This sounds like one where the deal included, we keep all the things that make us great. And that includes the budget we need. So as long as CW was able to look long enough down the road and see those numbers and figure you make the investment now, you get the payoff later. It sounds like sound, you know, business decision making. But then again, I'm not a business guy. So what do I know? <laughs> Keeping all of that in mind, um, it sounds like the concerns have been uh, addressed and what would have been the biggest factors aren't actually going to be very big factors when it comes to the show's move, um, which I'm really, in, you know, intrigued by and, and can't wait to see. I just watched season one couple days ago finished it off i was over the moon and it sets up perfectly for a season two that i'm really looking forward to um without saying anything more than that probably the story that really caught my interest the most for this week in tv and streaming is our next and that has to do with ruby ruby rose choosing to talk finally about her decision to leave Batman. There was a statement released when she left, sorry, Batman, Batwoman. When she left Batwoman, she had an official statement, but there hadn't been anything beyond that until now. Brad, what did you think about this conversation and what she had to say? Uh, maybe I'm too trusting, but there something about it came across to me as very, very honest. And uh, I, I, I think I appreciate the fact that at least from what she says, there's not a whole lot of animosity between her and the producers of the show, which is a small comfort. And she is um, she is happy for, uh, you know, the new actress taking over Batwoman and, and wishes them all the best. Um, so I, I, I guess this is the best way for a, a bad situation to kind of work out where they can talk about it in terms that's not so hostile uh kelly yeah i i definitely read this as honest too and i even though it's a little bit jarring to have her leave the show i do understand her reasoning um i mean for starters coming out of surgery and having to do such a physically demanding role as as playing that woman that's that is a lot that's a lot of pressure um and i think we've talked in the past about the fact that she's always been sort of a, a side character actress. She's never done a leading role. Um, and when you look at something like a superhero show, there is so much pressure. Um, 
you know, to not only do the role well, but to be physically there, to be mentally there, to understand that you're, you know, kind of the current avatar of this character. Um, and if that was pressure that she wasn't up to, I honestly, I respect her a lot for being willing to step down and knowing when, you know, maybe she's reached her limit. Um, on top of the fact that COVID kind of threw things up in the air, I think her decision to do this is justifiable completely. Um, and I, I still do have, here I go with the hope again, but I still do have hope for Batwoman. I think that as we move forward, it's going to be a very different kind of show. Um, well, maybe not even a different kind of show, but it's it's a different Batwoman than we thought we were going to get, but I think it'll still be really rewarding. Um, you know, and I, I do like the fact that the producers seem to have parted on good good terms with her because maybe that means we'll have some kind of a cameo at some point. Um, you know, who knows? But yeah, her, her reasoning is totally sound. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I also agree. I was really intrigued by this story. It really caught my attention the way she pointed to what she felt was the importance and the value of being the lead and how much weighs upon her taking on that responsibility and, and carrying it. And then what it's like to make the decision to come back after surgery, after a very short recovery time, and then try and continue to shoulder that burden, that, that challenge, while still physically recovering. And then asking yourself some really hard questions by the time the pandemic is rolled around, which is, are you doing the best thing possible? Are you doing the right thing? in terms of this character, this show, the people who are putting so much importance and trust in you to do it, and yourself and what you're capable of and what you should be putting yourself through right now. It reminds me of the decision made by you know Ben Affleck to no longer continue as Batman. What we kind of had a better understanding is now is that he was also approaching a period where he was going to have to go back into rehabilitation and work on his treatment and his recovery process. That was more about substance, and I think it also, though, has a shared parallel uh, with Ruby Rose, who physically had simply never rested enough after her injury to ask some really hard questions about what she was going through physically, what that challenge was doing to her ability uh, to be the lead, and then what that meant for all those people putting so much faith in her. If at any point she was having enough doubts where she decided, hey, someone else can do this better or I'm not doing this as well as I can right now and I need to make a decision based on that. I, I agree. I have a huge amount of respect for that for that decision. And I, I think it must be extremely difficult. And then it must have been a huge relief once it was made. And now knowing that it's not like you've caused anything to go completely under that a new casting decision has been made. We're going to tell a new origin and feature a new Batwoman. That that's, that's gotta be also a, a relief. So there were a lot of great things for me to take away from this story. I really had a lot of empathy for the position she was in and what it was like to, you know, take on this early, uh, introduction to Batwoman and then have all these complications on top of it. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm totally speculating here, but I have to wonder if at some point seeing what had just happened uh, with Stephen Amell 
and his decision to focus on family instead of continue playing the arrow might have really put some life and work questions into a, a more important decision-making process that that led to this result we're talking about now. Um, but overall, it was just great to actually hear from her. So often when you get a statement, there's that sort of feeling like, uh, okay, how much of that is what you wanted to say and how much of that is what you felt was the safest thing you could say at this time without really going into details or anything like that. So uh, again, huge amount of respect um, and this great feeling that the reasons she made are the reasons that I can totally understand and I, I have a great deal of respect for. They seem to be thinking about everyone's best interest. They didn't seem to be selfish. Selfless would be the word I would use. And with that, that wraps up our TV and streaming news. Final thoughts before we take a quick ad break and move into comics, guys. Shaboom. Shaboom. All right. Oh, let's go on twice. <laughs> All right. And with that, folks, we're going to take a quick ad break. We're going to let you know all the great things going on here at DC Comics News. Help you stay in the loop. Come on back with some comics and maybe some other news. Stick around for sure. We'll be right back. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? 
What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love. The Harley Quinn Past. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. I gotta be honest, I try not to lie. I hope that was as quick as I thought it would be as you anticipated. If for any reason it wasn't. Thanks for your patience. We wanted to make sure you got a chance to hear about all those great things going on here at DC Comics News. And now that we're back, we're here to tell you about, well, all the news we've collected regarding that great source material. I'm talking about comic book news and kicking things off with a preview of Detective Comics number 1027-1027, however you prefer to say it. What's more important is, Brad, what did you think when you read this story and got a sneak peek? Yeah, this art looks uh, looks amazing. Looks like we're seeing a lot of different Batmans from a lot of different eras, which is which is going to be fun. And these, these DC anniversary specials have all been really well done and this is going to be no exception i'm i'm looking forward to it and it seems like it's been a while i think uh green lantern was the last one and that was uh, that feels like a, a little while ago so it'll be fun to have another one uh to look forward to uh kelly yeah i agree completely um this artwork is incredible um i'm actually like it's looking through the the sample pages it has a very kind of classic feel to it. Um, yeah, I everything about this book seems like it's going to be a really good time. Um, and, and just some of the names of the talent they've brought in. Um, Tom King, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, uh, just to name a few. This uh, It sounds like this is going to be a can't-miss Batman story. Um, and I honestly, I don't remember what Batman's first adventure was, but I feel like I'm going to have to go back and reread that before I dive into this one, because this just looks, it, it looks great. Um, and I think right now there's a little part of me that's going to be overexcited about any actual comic book news, because I'm now in fear for the entire future of DC Comics. So I this looks amazing, and I hope it does really well. I hope it's as good as it looks. Um, Seth, what do you think? Oh, come on, Kelly. Keep throwing more pennies into that optimism well jar. <laughs> we got this, okay? We just got to, you know, it's it's take the deep breath, one step in front of the other, right? <laughs> um, this was a great, a great step. I, I, I think these collected uh, editions, as you were pointing out, Brad, we haven't had one since Green Lantern. So great to get another one. Detective Comics number 1027 is a milestone that should be celebrated. The original wraparound, my local comic shop just sent me the email for if I wanted to put this on my list. They've got all these gorgeous covers I was peeking at. I love the one with Bats and Batgirl. Uh, I, I love the one with the profiles of uh, Batman and Robin. Feels uh, so much like a uh, oh, like a Miller take on it. Um, 
and and just overall the the inside preview yeah i love the timeless feel to it i love the the classic take i love that old batman costume with those giant ears <laughs> uh and the purple gloves like yeah there's there's some there's some great stuff to love here some beautiful visuals I totally surrender at least the 999 for one of these. I will not disclose how many more than that I will buy because if this is ever heard by my wife, it will be used against me. Um, and she has all the reason to do that. So with all of that said, yeah, this is one of those high points where it's like, yeah, sometimes there's some stuff to be afraid about and other times there's some great things to look forward to. And it's kind of like when people are like, yeah, if you suddenly find out you've got this like terminal disease and you just want to live all the best moments of your life, like, hey, as far as I'm concerned, every day could be the last day that there's comics. I, I should probably just buy everything. Right. Everybody with me. We OK on that. OK, I, I could kind of <laughs> use your support because when I'm broke later, it's going to really help me to know that you guys are still on board. Yeah. OK, thanks. I got Kelly. Maybe maybe Brad. Hey, yeah. Like, right. Like, what's the financial yep. future? Who needs a savings? Like, <laughs> I've got great comics and collectibles. <laughs> so keeping that all in mind. It's important to point out that Justice League Doom Metal crossover is coming. And if you're worried about how many issues to get, well, who knows if they're going to be here for much longer. Might as well just buy them all. Right? Go ahead. Don't try and listen to it fast or slow. Just agree. Nod your head. Keep smiling. Brad, what do you think about the Justice League Doom Metal crossover? Yeah, this will this will this will be fun. And like I said, we don't have to worry about the success of death metal and anything associated with it so i think that uh this is gonna fly off the shelves it makes me wonder just how much stuff that they have planned for this that they kind of are um letting you know bit by bit instead of all at once saying what what it's all going to involve uh maybe we'll learn more fandom of of any other uh, series or anything spinoffs that might uh be coming because so far it's just been it's it's amazing so whatever else they can put out i'm there and uh yeah this is no different uh kelly yeah i agree this looks awesome and is that starfire with a mohawk on one of those covers because that that is a fantastic Mm. look for her it's just i i've really been enjoying um and i'm still making my way actually through metal and it is just the wildest, most bizarrely fun ride I think I've ever taken in comics. And I, I've read some weird comics. And it's just, it, it's perfect. It's so lively. It, it uses so many elements of the DC universe. Um, and Death Metal, I, again, I'm still working my way up to it. But I am so excited to see Chainsaw Wonder Woman. I practically already want the poster over my bed but i refuse to get a poster until i've read the book um but yeah i'm i am very excited for this and even though i am still playing catch up and i'll probably get to it a little bit later than you guys i will 100 percent be buying whatever books whatever variant covers whatever's available because you know the end might be nigh i don't know i hope not <laughs> oh don't say that <laughs> <laughs> not nigh. Nigh. It's the opposite of nigh. It's nay. <laughs> uh, is it? Is it my turn? <laughs> oh yes. No, sorry. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm staring at this, this 
cover of Bobo carrying a, a machete looking thing. And sorry, go on. <laughs> it's cool. No, I'm with you. It, it looks like he's got, uh, you know, that legendary sword he's been carrying around from his good friend. And uh, it looks like it's taken a little bit of a beating, but it's still swinging. Uh, Nightwing. Um, is that a man bun? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so there's a Nightwing with a man bun. You might have to, but the Starfire with the Mohawk is savage. And actually, on on uh, one of the social media channels the other day, I saw that Liam Sharp had posted this Justice League cover, um, which is just so savage. And is anybody else? I mean, I am seriously digging on the handlebar mustache for Vic. Did you guys see that one? They're all under the yeah. throne. That thing is so. I even messaged him. I was like, dude, you're you're cyborg with the mustache, like sick. Um, and for all those covers, what's inside Mindhunter, the dark Mindhunter, this this sounds like a really fun character um, and a great way for this story to, to build out. Kelly, I read metal in like I was like sick and I was just laying there like burning through it. And I just remember thinking to myself, am I in a fever dream or is this comic a fever dream? <laughs> what is going? So, yeah, I totally get it. And death metal just keeps taking it. Scott Snyder, I swear, he's just like, so I've had a lot of crazy ideas for the last 10 years. And here they all are. He and, <laughs> and everybody else is like, rock and roll. Let's take this and run because it's been just so phenomenal. Um, I'm, I'm really having a good time. This only continues to, you know, tease the taste buds. And it, it's pretty interesting that uh, <laughs> we have this chance to, you know, get these peaks at it and, and look forward to so much that's coming on down the line. Um, however, there are sometimes some Sobering things to keep in mind, where for all these great storylines that are going, for some comics, it's the end of the road. And we have a recent announcement uh, that titles like Teen Titans, Young Justice, Suicide Squad, Hawkman, and others are uh, being canceled. But then we also have the uh, the sort of parallel story that Sue DeConnick is uh, ending her exit on Aquaman, but whether or not it's actually being canceled. This was a really interesting set of stories, guys. Brad, what was your take? Uh, you know, I, I also, like with the other story, feel bad for uh, the creative teams. But it, for the most part, I think that they're going to be okay because those are pretty familiar names that uh, have already other projects that they're working on and things like that. Uh, I, I think fans of the characters don't have to worry these characters aren't really going to go anywhere we'll see them again uh you know uh, fans of the actual stories that that are taking place that's that's a bummer because they're going to have to to end um but i i think that um you know once you know fingers crossed that dc uh can get on firmer ground as far as publishing goes and editorially and what's you know what's going to happen going forward i won't be surprised you know i wouldn't be surprised if these books get um restarted uh, especially suicide squad with uh, a movie on the horizon there's no way there's not going to be a new suicide squad series uh pretty soon down down the road uh, at least and uh, you know i i it's funny that the only one of these that i read regularly um was the Aquaman. I, I just finished the second trade that just came out. And I'm kind of liking Kelly Sue DeConnick's take on the character. So 
it's kind of bummed to hear that that uh, that's ending, but at least it seems to be at the point where it wasn't taken out from under her, where she can end it on her terms and tell the story that she wants to tell, and that's that's uh, that's pretty important. Uh, Kelly? Yeah, I I mean, again, this just a, a long list of cancellations does not bode well. Um, but Brad, you're absolutely right. We'll see these characters again. It it does. I mean, it, it makes me anxious. It makes me a little bit nervous, um, especially considering a, a book like I know Hawkman has been a, a really praised book out of this batch. And um, Suicide Squad also, it's, it's a little bit strange that they would end it when we have a movie coming out. But I, I mean, I guess right now everything is so up in the air that we can't tell for sure exactly when that movie will hit. Um, yeah, I, I just... I'm bummed. I'm I'm depressed, guys. This is really, really frustrating. Um, and I mean, personally, I I've been enjoying Aquaman. Um, I've just kind of gotten into Kelly Sue DeConnick's run. So, you know, I, I appreciate writers and artists who are able to end a story on their own terms. I think that is the best way to do it. Um, but then there's always a part of me that wonders how much pressure went into, you know, you're only going to have this much time. So wrap it up, you know, as quickly as you can. And at least November is still pretty far off. It, we got three months, give or take. So, I, I mean, my hope is that these stories wrap themselves up in a way that does justice for the fans that have been interested in them. And also that this doesn't mark some kind of larger wave of cancellations because we've seen the October cancellations and now there's the November cancellations. So I hope this is kind of a cap. There's a little part of me that fears that it won't be, but I, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, Seth, what'd you think? Well, I know that while we were all doing our best to navigate what the new climate was like when the pandemic hit for companies like DC, there had to be a, what can we do? And what can we do moving forward? Which meant that for these titles, there had to be a planned ending in order for them to take on the responsibilities of the next launch that it sounds like they're preparing to do and that they want to have titles keep coming out. Losing these titles is a little disappointing. Uh, I've seen sort of uh, the, the direction that some were going, like Teen Titans, where with Robin's betrayal and everything else, it was it seemed like it was a matter of time for a breakup. This this is a good direction for that to go. Young Justice has really been all over the place for me. So it's hard to have some feelings about that. With Aquaman and a few others, I felt like these were stories that could just keep going. So the 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 announcement and the possibility of him also ending, which appears to be confirmed, but isn't due to uh, DeConnick's leaving. And then then I'm really torn when it comes to stuff like Hellblazer, which I thought was a really great series. I thought the stories in it were so good. I really liked the originality. And then I'm left looking at this the, the story with DeConnick, where she ends with this great quote. It's such a good one, where she says, here's the thing. This isn't the end of Aquaman. What has he taught us? Steer the boat, not the ocean. Wait for the storm to pass. When the time is right, he'll be back, I'm sure of it. And I'll look forward to reading his adventures, his new adventures, which, Brad, I think you and Kelly both point out, these characters have other places to go. It's unfortunate to lose them in these titles, but we can see them in other projects. They have um, outlets, and we can look forward to a continued future. So looking at those possibilities and, and trying to keep in mind, 
we know that the industry has been struggling and that some hard decisions were recently made. First, they were announced, and now we're actually seeing them take place. So I get it. I'm not thrilled about it, but I also know, like, oh, okay, um, this is this is what it starts to look like when those things actually are, one, announced, and then they are actually enacted. Keeping that in mind, this next story is probably one of those that, that gets me really excited for what DC Comics can do. It's the announcement that not only uh, John Ridley's written Batman series is expected to have a huge impact, but in addition, we've also got as long awaited the other history of DC Universe. I think these are both going to be some powerful collections of stories. Brad, tell me what your thoughts were. Just on a side note, another Batman book. So we've got like 8 million Batman books. We don't have room for one Hawkman book. Something's sleeping right, but... <laughs> it is what it is, you know. Hey, but, I'm a fan of Robert Venditti's stuff on on Hawkman, man. I'm totally yeah, with you. yeah. It is good. I did read the first uh, the first trade, but um, but in all seriousness, um, I, I can't wait to see what he does because they're also saying that his Batman series is going to have a lasting effect on on the line going forward. So that's interesting, and uh, he's an incredible writer. If you've ever seen, uh, 12 years a slave, uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's definitely going to bring some, uh, important issues to the table in these, in, in both of these books. And the history is a black label book, so it's going to be for more mature readers. So yeah, I can't, I, uh, I, I can't wait to read what, uh, what he's gonna, what he's gonna give us, uh, Kelly. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, I definitely another Batman book. Definitely, I, I raised my eyebrows for a minute, but he is such a good writer. Um, I, I'll give I'll give it a shot for sure. And the other history of um, it was of the the DC universe. I think I, that might be the book I'm the most excited for. Um, it, there are a lot of really great minority characters in DC. Um, and I think to an extent, we don't necessarily see or interact with them as much as, you know, perhaps other publishers tend to promote their characters of color. So it is definitely something I'm interested in. And I, I love the idea that this is sort of piggybacking on the fact that uh, Milestone is coming back, which yes. I... Yes, I, yes. Yeah, I've, I've talked to you guys before. Milestone is such a fantastic piece of DC history and the, I think this is really the right social climate to bring it back in um and and I do appreciate that with everything that's changing they're at least keeping this as as one of the main focuses of of creating titles with a lot of inclusivity um yeah I this is a penny in the hope well but I'm still mm-hmm. just very concerned as a whole for the the future of of DC Comics. So this is good though. This I can get behind. Seth, I, I I've got bags of pennies. I'll, I'll I'll put them in those roller things and mail them to you, and you can just keep. We'll we'll all be throwing them into the optimism well. Does that sound Does that sound like a viable plan? Okay, maybe not. It's probably going to cost more to ship the pennies than the pennies are worth. But I'm I'm down with this. Uh, Yes, John Ridley is an immensely powerful writer, uh, extremely talented. This story that we've been waiting for so long um, with the other history, 
it's going to be a great chance to see some really great moments as seen through another pair of eyes that are saying, well, this is what it looked like from where I was standing. This might be what you've seen before. Now I'm going to tell you what it looks like from over here. And I'm going to tell you what it looks like from here. That's uh, an important perspective that I really I'm encouraged by because I think DC could build from this moment. And if they could launch anything right now, it would be from these two books. Um, I think Ridley's take on Batman could be really important for establishing that. And I think the other history of the DC universe can do that as well and sort of give us that maturity that we need in a black label book. Um, Milestone was one of those comics that when it came out, I, I, I melted. I remember buying my first issues of hardware, of icon of, of uh, blood syndicate. I thought hardware was the coolest character I'd ever come across. Like, this brilliant kid who gets swindled and it finds out he's working for one of the worst guys in the world and uses that technology to wage war against him and other criminals. Like my brain just like was tickled pink and blood syndicate was just, uh, there were so many great titles in the static shock, uh, who went on to continue that. The fact that they can have this launch now actually gives me so much more hope for what the future of DC could actually look like. And while I'm sorry to see the titles that we were just talking about be sacrificed in that endeavor, if it could be a way of doing better by their characters, then then I would I would really be excited to see DC succeed with this. And that's really where I'm taking all my gold bars to the uh, optimism hope well. And I am dumping them in with a loud sploosh. So if you happen to hear a sploosh, that's me. I am excitedly doing this. I have my Superman S on. I am, I am ready. I am excited. <laughs> and it was just, it, it, man, it was like, man, if I got to read some of these stories that are not so much fun, uh, let me talk about this one because it really excites me. And I, I have, I have no problem putting myself into extended credit card debt in order to put all of these in my collection. So go ahead, DC. I'm ready. My wallet, don't worry about that. I'll take care of it. Um, with that, we've just got a few stories remaining on our list. Uh, the next one that I'm getting to is the uh, reveal of the Dark Knight's death metal finale and two new specials that are coming out of it. Uh, it, it seems like it's such a crazy roller coaster ride. Now we're getting glimpse of the end and the specials. What was your take on this uh, this story, Brad? I, I think Scott Snyder has created such a fun sandbox that it's fun to see these writers and artists get to be able to play in it and bring their own kind of twisted vision to it. So it's going to be, uh, you know, fun, fun wild ride. And people, fans are just gonna just gonna eat it up. This is kind of what makes a story like death metal and metal so fun is that they they can be so crazy and you can enjoy watching these other creative teams like go off and do their own thing with it and yeah they're gonna be it's gonna be a fun read uh kelly yeah absolutely um i death metal has set and just the the entire metal universe has set such a bizarre precedence in dc because it's somehow wilder than the Elseworlds, but at the same time, it feels a little bit more 
condensed. Like you, you can read all of these and wrap your head around this entire universe. And it is really fun for anyone coming to a project like this to um, explore a little bit deeper. I'm extremely excited. And I, I say extremely because the, uh, what is it? The infinite hour extreme with three X's. I love <laughs> Yeah, that that seemed very 90s to me. Extreme. extreme. Yeah. That's just a little extreme, like triple extreme. I, guess. I, just, I love it. The whole thing feels like a, a commercial for Red Bull and or <laughs> kids used to have these bizarre commercials for like Gogurt where kids are on these these skateboards like flipping around a skateboard a skate park and then they stop and take out their pocket yogurt and they're like extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love it. It's it's very like you said it's 90s nostalgic. It's really fun. Um, I will definitely not only catch up but pick up all of these books in whatever form they come in. Seth. Yeah, suddenly I can hear like, uh, you know, Barks, the root beer that has bite or uh, other 90s moments that just come flooding back with extreme and Red Bull. And I love that this extreme issue is like Lobo's telling of the stories. Hey, it's your main man, blah, 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 blah. Like I get a kick out of that. Uh, The other ones, you know, um, the death metal, the dark multiverse who laughs. (laughs) The titles in these are just kind of over the top ridiculous. And I think it's a perfect way to wrap up the ending, you know, to death metal. And then Brad, as you said, with the sandbox, like, hey, guys, I got all these cool toys in this sandbox. Who wants to come play? Like, it's just such a fun thing that, you know, yeah. you're hard pressed to find a reason not to enjoy yourself. I mean, you can do it, but you got to work really hard, right? Like really, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and with that, of course points out that death metal is coming to an end as with everything, this episode must come to an end with our final story, which is an announcement that punchline will be going solo in a November DC special. what do you think about this final story on our list, Brad? Uh, I've really enjoyed Joker War, so I think that, uh, you know, as long as I'm still enjoying that, which I don't see that changing, I'll, uh, I'll be excited to pick this one up as well. Um, it's a character that really, that there's a lot of hype, it really hasn't come into her own quite yet, um, so that'll be fun to watch that happen as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Kelly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, This is definitely a book I'll pick up. And I I have to agree, Brad, that she's not a character that has really kind of stood on her own two feet yet. I I don't have a good sense of who she is, per se. Um, But this is part of what I like about comics, where you'll, you'll read you know, an entire event and meet all of these interesting characters, but only meet them partway. And then certain characters later on, you get to dive into a solo series and, you know, really see what they're about. So I'm definitely interested in this. I'm excited. And I think for the foreseeable future, I'm probably going to be like, I'm excited about and will pick up every single comic book that comes out because I just need them to know, like, please keep making comics. (laughs) I'm so worried. But this definitely looks interesting. Um, And it, it is really kind of fascinating to see another um lead I, I don't know if you want to call it a lead hench a lead operative in the joker's network that is 
you know, not Harley Quinn, but is also sort of a young woman who's pulled into this entire um, chaotic existence. So I, I am really excited to see this. Seth, what do you think? I I felt like ever since her arrival, it was only a matter of time before we would finally get a chance to hear and see what Punchline's story is. Because what most intrigues me is that um, she doesn't seem like she's someone who has been pulled into the world. She's somebody who saw it from the outside and made it in like a decision. Like, I'm going to go find that and I'm going to make it crazier because her whole point since she's shown up, everything she keeps saying is I'm here to help the Joker become what he's really capable of. And so I'm really interested to see what that development of that character looks like if you know, it wasn't because they were blinded or hypnotized or, you know, um, something caused them to see things one way when in reality they're they're actually not. Punchline seems to have this idea of like, I know exactly how bad this is. I want it to be this bad. I'm trying to make it worse. Any questions? And who that character is and how that story comes to be is something I think deserves a 48 page solo special. I'm curious to see if it might lead to something else. But with the Joker War the way it's been developing, I think fans deserve the chance to learn more about this character who seems to be quite the catalyst for everything that's going on. And what more they can learn about the fact that, you know, James Tynan has said, look, this is a character that's not a flash in the pan. They're going to be here for a while. They're here. Get used to it. And this is a great way for us to sort of learn who she is and what we can expect or you know, understand in the present. Yeah, I, I'm kind of looking forward to a big uh, knock him down, drag him out fright between Harley Quinn and Punchline because oh. the characters are, they, they, for the Joker, they kind of fit that same place, you're that same vacuum, but they're so different. So. Mm-hmm that conflict between them would be very interesting. And, and uh, I think that we will see that at some point in the Joker war. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it's almost like punchline saying, Harley, you want to change him. And I instead want to multiply or exponentiate him. You know what I mean? Like I want to multiply him by himself until we get the most condensed, you know, purified Joker that we can like all the raw, all the evil, like, come on, baby. <laughs> Squeeze the stone. Get every drop of blood out. Um, so I'm really I'm really intrigued. Yeah. Uh, great story for us to wrap things up with. There's been some moments that didn't have uh, the optimism they could, but the stories that did, I'm hoping they were enough to lift us through. Um, really appreciate you both for joining me today, talking them all out. There is one other quick little video game. Uh, oh, the other story. Yeah, Brad, that, you are so uh, wise. That's right. Uh, I believe Joker. it was Harley Quinn and Joker coming to Fortnite. <laughs> Thank you, man. Appreciate you bringing yeah. that up. Here I was thinking we were wrapping through, but there's the other story. That's right. Thank you, man. Um, that's right. Joker and Poison Ivy are coming to Fortnite. Or Poison Ivy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> thankfully, Brad reminded us of this one. It's been a long series, but guys. Thankfully, Brad kept us from forgetting this story. Brad, what did you, what did you think about this story? Uh, 
you know, I I think Fortnite because every you know it's so it's so popular and and so so many players and so culturally saturated that it's a good way to promote characters. So I think that uh, it's it's kind of a cool way to maybe introduce people to these characters that they haven't really uh, spent that much time. They may have heard the name but not really had that much experience and get some new fans. So I think that that's that that could be kind of a cool thing. Kelly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I personally have no experience with Fortnite, um, but it is this really massive platform for players to get to know characters. So I think, I mean, Joker and Poison Ivy arguably are very recognizable faces as far as fictional characters go. But I I mean, we're talking about a, a younger generation. So I think as far as my personal introduction to these characters, it would have been with Batman the Animated Series, which is now, you know, kind of long gone in a sense. Um, so, yeah, there I, I don't think there's any downside to this. Seth, what do you think? I think more exposure is always a good thing when it comes to characters and letting larger audiences know about who they are. Um, Fortnite has had such an international ability to capture the attention of millions, perhaps more than that (laughs) and with that just including these characters and you know allowing younger audiences newer audiences to be exposed to them have fun playing with them and maybe tangentially find themselves you know drawn into stories about them in comics great possibility great characters to include and come on they're just fun to dress up as right i mean i don't know If I looked in the mirror and I suddenly found myself to be an animated Joker, I'd have a good time with it for a little while. And then I I might seriously freak (laughs) out. But uh, (laughs) for the moment, right? Like you're a cartoon. What's not to love about it? Um, You can just like draw a circle on a wall and make a hole and all sorts of possibilities are, are there. So cartoons, Joker, Ivy. Yeah, I'd say that's a good addition to the Fortnite character skin choices. That was the last story. God, Brad, what would I do without you, man? I swear. swear. (laughs) See, Kelly's laughing. She knows. She knows. I'm lost without you guys, Um, which is why this is my favorite part, which is to turn it over to both of them and say, guys, there's people out there who are probably loving everything you're saying. How can they find you, let you know what they loved, question they want to ask you, anything else that might be on their minds? Brad, I'm starting with you. Uh, you can find me uh, writing news and reviews at DC Comics News. Uh, you can find me also on the Mad Love Podcast on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. Kelly? Um, you can find me doing opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News and also on the Mad Love Podcast. Um, and on Twitter, you can find me at KelGainsWrite. Yeah, you can find me at DC Comics News, writing reviews. That's generally the most of what I do there. You can find me in other places around the internet, but if you want to do it, use my name, Seth Singleton. Other than that, I, I'm i only here to talk about DC Comics News stuff. So if you want to find me other places, well, come find me. But you're going to have to put in a little bit of work. Elbow grease, right? Uh, as far as social media, I'm one more singleton on Twitter. I'm set the writer on Instagram. My much cuter than me dogs are Bruno and Fiji. Seriously, if you see a picture of me and then my dogs, you only want to look at pictures of my dogs, and I understand. 
I have one of those faces only my mother and wife can love, and I love them for it. Uh, when it comes to anything else, um, you know what? Just find me, man. Just find me. When it comes to us, the whole team, the DC Comics News crew, well, we're on all the social media channels, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have the at symbol in DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. Use that tag. Let us know what you're thinking. The whole team will hear about it. There will be no secrets. It'll be a great group discussion. Now, when it comes to making sure you don't miss out on the next upcoming episode of the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcast Network on whatever platform you're listening to. We're on all the big ones like Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, those ones. And then all the smaller channels along the way. If you've got one we should mention more about, send us a message. Let us know. All you have to do is hit that subscribe button. You're guaranteed to never miss out on every new and all the old episodes of the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast for mature audiences only, uh, episodes of I Am the Night, hosted by Mr. Steve J. Ray, an episode-by-episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series, uh, Spinner Rack, my top five picks from DC Comics each week, hosted by me and, you know, I'm around and other podcasts in the future, Felicky Fashions, I'm talking to you. And to all those other possibilities, we know Kendra's been talking about Trophil. We have surprises down the road. But until then, we'll be joining you next time. And until we get a chance to talk with you, we only have one final thing left to say. And that is to always read more comics. Thanks, folks. This has been episode number 83. We'll see you at episode number 84. Bye now.